The following podcast is a part of RadioMisfits.com. It's time for Caffeinated Comics, a lively discussion and debate on comics, film, television, and collectibles, all fueled by the magic of Frappuccinos. And now, here's your hosts... John and Steven. Thank you. This is Caffeinated Comics. I am your host, John Clark. And with me is mainly always is Chicago's King of Geeks, Elliot Serrano. Uh, you know, it's like at this point, seeing how we are phasing out um, the monarchies, um, I'm going to probably need a new title. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about president, running for president of Geeks. Maybe. Well, I, I think I think because you were Mayor? you given that title, I'm not the person to petition about this. <laughs> I, I I don't have the rubber stamp. Also, who's abandoning the monarchy? We have a king again in England. <laughs> yeah, but no one's really paying attention to him. You know? No, because okay. we kind of we we know who he is. But uh, I I was watching Old Simpsons and the one where uh, Homer has a gun, and Krusty goes. Because he goes, you should only have a gun for protection or king, keeping the king of England out of your face. And I was <laughs> yeah. like, hey, we're back to a king of England. Krusty's right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We're, we're here, here in Chicago. We're definitely ready for the king of England. Yes. Apparently, we're also ready for winter because it became 16 degrees in four days. <laughs> It'll go up to like in the 30s, you know, in a, in a few weeks. You know? It'll get to the, it's actually going to get to the 40s this week because I I refused every attempt to go out this weekend. Uh-huh. And was like, let's go here. I was like, it'll be 50 on Tuesday. Let's go Tuesday. <laughs> <laughs> which is which is what kept me from doing a lot of stuff. Yes. yes. Yeah, we we went to Target and got food because I didn't have any food. And that was and and when if you shop at a Target Greatland, you can also shop for action figures. Yeah, uh-huh. everything all together. Everything oh, it's it, it's nice. And I got a uh, I got an Alf a McFarlane Alfred as Batman figure. Oh, get out! They've done that. Oh, wow. yeah, it's just a head swap. But I was like, uh, McFarlane's. I skipped the Batman 66 run because Mattel did it 10 years ago and I have all those. And but now McFarlane's starting to do characters Mattel didn't do. There's an Otto Preminger, Mr. Freeze. There uh, uh they announced Egghead and King Tut, and I'm like, ah, oh, damn it. So now the question is, do I try to find Joker and Penguin, who I already have from Mattel, but now there's a new line? Do, do there are the sculpts so significantly different that if you put them together, you can tell them from different lines? Yeah, but they're all the same scale. I mean, it, it's it's the difference between DC Universe Classics and Spawn. That's the difference in sculpt. All right. So, so yeah. And yeah. Uh, to me, if you ask me, you have to be a very educated uh, collector to get to see those. And you, I mean, yeah. Yeah, nobody gets to see them because they're in a bin of my live action Batmans. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, all right, Alfred is Batman. You go next to Heath Ledger and Michael Keaton. <laughs> But yeah, so eh, I can yeah, tell you, I walked through that aisles from time to time, and it's like I the Target by me. I swear they had every Ash figure. They had the Evil Dead figure, the Evil Dead Ash, Evil Dead Two Ash, uh, Evil Dead versus Ash versus Evil Dead figures. All of them. I could have collected an entire you know series of Ash figures in one swoop if I. A, if I had the you know the money because they were still mm-hmm. like twenty or thirty bucks a pop. Yeah, they're get they're getting up there. The Nikas, yeah. a lot of them are like thirty five. I saw a Chucky yesterday, and I was like, 
Ooh, I have I have Ash, I have Freddie, Jason, Michael Myers. I was like, I should probably get a Chucky, but Chucky's like he's like five inches tall because he's Chucky yeah. in that scale. And he was like 35 bucks. I yeah. was like, uh, yeah, you know, I can't do it. I just I just stupidly bought an $80 Serpentor. Oh jeez. Because oh, I bought right. the, the vehicle. It yeah, it was an exclusive yeah. on Pulse, and uh I had a job when I ordered it. Yeah. No. <laughs> um he is cool. He's like an inch bigger than everybody else because he's genetically engineered. And he was he was really nicely done. But I was like, Serpentor was also my breaking point of G.I. Joe. You I was like that, baby. You could flip it. Yeah, I was like third. I was like uh, probably 13, 14 when that happened. And I was like, I can't keep doing this G.I. Yeah, Joe. Yeah. Well, I, I'm, I'm like you. It's like just trying to find room for everything. I finally came up with a new shelf for my my growing Indiana Jones prop collection. And I was like, oh, goodness, this is going to get bad. <laughs> I've, I just bought the uh, Crystal Skull again I, from the Disney shop. I saw your post of that. And you told me, the last time I talked to you, you told me you weren't going to get it. I could, yeah, because it, the thing was on the site. It was 250 bucks. I go, I ain't paying $250. I don't was care it real what. crystal? No, it was not even real crystal or glass or anything. It's plastic. But they marked it down. The first is like it was their Black Friday or whatever holiday sale. So then they knocked off, they knocked off 100 so it was $150. And then they had the thing where if you get the Disney card, which is a Chase card, which I'm already with Chase, uh, you get a $100 credit on your first purchase. So I ended up and so I got a Chase card anyway because I'm already with Chase, so it was easy to get the card, and mm-hmm. it really didn't affect my credit, you know, rating. All you know, so I ended up paying sixty bucks for the thing, you know, when you consider shipping, and it looks really nice. I mean, right. it looks really nice. And you have all the other ones. <laughs> yeah, I have the and I have the uh, Golden Idol, which I love. That's the one that ever since I missed out on the sideshow mm-hmm. one, Me I too. had to have it. Yeah, I was I was thinking about it when you got it, and I was just like. I don't know that I have the room, but uh, when they announced that Marvel Legends Star Wars Black-ish adventure series line, I'm like, all right, every single one of these. In fact, Serpentor came with a, a really cool cobra sculpt, like an actual snake. Ah. And I was like, if if Indiana Jones doesn't throw this in one of the packages, this one's going in the Indiana Jones bin. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, no, that, now that I think about it, yeah, because I will be getting those. I guess I could put them up there with the props because I have that and I've got a Holy Grail. Which ah. is also very nice. So probably gonna get uh I'm gonna get a uh medallion, the uh staff of raw medallion and get one of those. I got a, I got one on eBay in like two thousand six and it was real metal. Just some guy yeah. made it. Yeah. Uh and put it in like a jewelry box. So I'm like, I'm good on that. The only thing it doesn't have is a hole, you can't put it on a staff. Staff, right. And then um I'm gonna get that whiskey bottle that I keep talking to Thomas Jetner about. You know, mm. the, uh, the, the, the the one that he's drinking with the monkey. Yes. So I'll definitely get one of those. I'm just uh, I'm just getting a little nuts on the <laughs> on the prop collecting. <laughs> yeah, I just went down a rabbit hole of Marvel Legends helmets and Star Wars helmets. And I was like, all right, I am not buying any of these. But I found oh, they had some of those on sale, too. Ah. I was so tempted. I was so <laughs> there was an X-Wing fighter helmet. I was like, yeah, actually, this- Fighter Helmet does look really cool, and the Darth I- Vader one's like really pimped out. Yeah, well, I've, I've got a Vader, but it's the old Ruby's, uh, one of the original Vader costumes that you got from Ruby's. 
mm-hmm. the the costumers, and it looks great. But I've got it on a stand, and it's a great display piece. I never wear it, but it's a wonderful display piece. Yeah, I have an Iron Man from Iron Man Two when it was clearly made for kids, so it has the oversized eyes, and it's like really wide, and it makes noises. But they have a Marvel Legends one that's just like it's just Tony Stark's that I'm like, yeah. am I gonna? No, I'm not. And I did buy uh, my younger son the Spider-Man Infinity War. Hel- Spider-Man helmet, so, uh, which, was a, which was a way for them to do a Spider-Man mask as a helmet. Yes, and, yes. And I've seen and that it, one. Yeah, and they're sculpted inside, so like when you're inside, you can see little details. There's too much stuff. Well, the one thing is, of, of all the Marvel Legends stuff, and I, every once in a while, I've seen it. I have seen it on sale, but I never pull the trigger. It's that Captain America shield. Yeah, you it know? does look cool. It does look really good. And I, everyone I know has got one. They've ha- they hang it on the wall. It looks great. And I'm like, ah. Uh, yeah. Well, okay. um, yeah. I I can't think of a uh, Captain America shield without thinking of our old friend Stu McLean, who was a good friend of the show and a frequent guest, and passed away right before the pandemic. So really kicked off 2020. But he had a metal Captain America shield that he took to every convention and got Marvel artists to sign. Oh. And in the center star is Stanley's signature. No. And, so, and both of them are gone. I'm, I'm assuming, I'm, and I'm hoping. I'm assuming his widow is just sitting on it. Well, hold know? on to that baby. Yeah, yeah, and, and pass it down to the kids, or or yeah. or find the right buyer. Because I was like, you know, I could buy, I could buy the shield now, but it, it's nothing compared to that one. He would, he would bring it into Camara's comics. He'd wear it, and he'd be like, "Look, I got Neil Adams to sign that." And it was, it's, it was just fantastic. Yeah, to me it would be like if I could get Harrison Ford to sign something of mine. Yeah. I've all I've got I've got Carrie Fisher, I've got two Mark Hamels. Hmm. Harrison Ford is my holy grail, you know, to think and of he it. He never did a lot of conventions. No, he, he ne- no, he doesn't. Plus, he no. doesn't really sign a whole lot of stuff. Although lately I've seen him going on kind of a on a on a on a signing spree. You'll see him like when T- the TMZ folks corner him and he has all these people like putting stuff in front of him. So He's just signing, 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 hmm. signing. Uh, but nah, I don't know. Uh, and, and then my thing would be if it was a photograph, would I want him as, would I want a Han Solo or an Indy? I mean, because I've already got Luke and Leia. Han completes the Trinity. But yeah, but an Indiana Jones is all you need. Indy's my, that's my, that's my favorite Harrison Ford character. And you don't have to go find Karen Allen after that. You can just have Harrison Ford. You're good. I have Karen Allen too. Oh, no, you're yeah. not going to get a Sean Connery. No, or uh, I could probably get a Shia. <laughs> well, speaking of Indiana Jones, Empire Magazine broke the story this week uh, with several pictures. They opened with with the cover, two different covers of Indiana Jones, and then they released some other shots of like Mad Mickelson and uh, and Boyd Holbrook. Uh, and we're actually starting to see some Indiana Jones five stuff. And it's getting people. It's getting people talking. I have a friend of mine, a former publicist for Lucasfilm. He's like, he's been a, a tad critical of it because he says, "Yeah, it's weird. That's how Disney is doing this now, and what they're pushing." And you know, we we have little debates on my page about what the movie's going to be about and, and all because they did let uh, they did uh, in the uh, Empire magazine one of the articles they did. Let out that um, it's it, Nazis are are the villains again, 
Nazis are the villain. See, I I didn't read the article. I know it takes place in the 60s yes. to Matt Harrison for his age. So it's Nazis in the 60s in, in, in the Manhattan. 60s. Correct. Uh, but it's uh, – uh, well, and they didn't – I mean, again, they didn't come out and say it, but they intimate – they talk about – because it is during you know the space race. Uh, one of the stunt set pieces takes place during a ticker tape parade welcoming the Apollo 11 uh, – astronauts back but they say well they were there were nazis that worked on the oh yeah there were nazis um, that worked in the, in the space program Werner von braun who yeah. i i know from being a tumblr nerd in my junior <laughs> eye uh yeah I, it, there, it's nothing i expected when when i saw it i mentioned to you i was like if if you put a gun to my head and told me to pitch indiana jones 5 it would not be indy goes to greenwich village in the 60s <laughs> Nope. And and now you tell me that there's Nazis in it, and I will be damned. You know what? Kate Blanchett has already played Bob Dylan and been in, in Indiana Jones. <laughs> there needs to be one scene of him going, I don't like these Nazis around here. <laughs> Neither <laughs> do I. <laughs> that's it. So that there's I guess that's that was, I guess, I don't know if it was um a Mangold or the screenwriter said, so yes, that whole thing where Indy sees that there are former Nazis working for the U.S. and that really gets his goat. It's like you know, it's it, oh. it grinds his gears or so he's something. Racist. Like that. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know. And it's Mads Mikkelsen too. And everyone sees yeah. if you see the Mads Mikkelsen him, looks like Tote. That's so right. So yeah. And I'm going if I know James James Mangold, he's gonna take it. He's gonna twist that around. I mean. I have a feeling that the Mads Mikkelsen character, even though he's a quote unquote uh, former Nazi, he might be more sympathetic, a more sympathetic character. Um, so. yeah, well, that's the thing about Mads Mikkelsen. He has such range and he's known for playing both villains, obviously, with um, Casino Royale. And you know a lot about this from Shaking Not Heard. And he was Hannibal in the series. But he's also played very sympathetic characters like in Rogue One. Mm-hmm. So just because Mads Mikkelsen's in it, you don't know where he's going to do. Or like Phoebe Waller-Bridge is in this. Yes. And I remember I had a uh, I had an argument with Michelle Saleo, who's a friend of the show and has been on both Caffeinated Comics and the MCU review. She got really mad. She was like, she's like, they're going to team up Phoebe Waller-Bridge, who's in her 30s, and make her the love interest of Harrison Ford in her 80s. And I was like, there's nothing that says she's the love interest. No. Uh, if anything, uh, from what I understand, uh, she's his goddaughter. Hmm. And because um, there's even an image in the Empire article where they show Indy is still wearing his wedding band, so the assumption is that he and Marion are still together. Oh. And I've I've always liked, and this was my thing because I I was work I've I've had several indie pitches that I wanted to do either for Dark Horse or Marvel when they each had the property because I knew there was no way I was ever going to pitch write a movie. Okay, but with every one of the Indiana Jones films that the the female uh foil either the sidekick or whatever um there was always a different relationship between indy and that particular uh character in each film so you have marion in the beginning who's like former lovers and rivals but then mm-hmm. you know and can give it give as good as she gets give as good as she gets then you get willie scott who is the opposite of Marion, kind of yeah. like a screaming Mimi, but she finds herself and finally, you know, comes into her own by the end of the movie. Then you have Elsa, who mm-hmm. you would think is his equal, like they're on the same terms, 
But then the twist is also a professor. Right. And but then the twist is that she betrays him because she's a Nazi. Right. And so then you get or Nazi sympathizer. Yeah. And then the final one would be um, someone who has more of a father daughter relationship with. So that's Mm. what I'm thinking. That's probably going to be more of it with this one. Yeah, well, and to continue that, I think to drop Crystal Skull in, it made me think of, I know Karen Allen comes back, but it's, but Kate Blanchett, who is the villain, which is, is the first, the only time they do that in the franchise. Yes. But the main yeah. villain is the, is the female that he has the connection with. Yes. Who looks down on him, basically yes. looks at him as this washed up old archaeologist and just wants the information she can get out of him. Right. So then the theme of Crystal Skull was Indy thought, you know, life is over. But, you know, he found some renewal in discovering that he had, you know, he had a son. There were there were friends from time before that were lost that he's regained. He's he's kind of like starting over in a way. But this one, of course, is is as Mangold has said, it's they're calling it the last Indiana Jones movie. Yeah, and that kind of freaked me out because, of course, Mangold is the man who made the last Wolverine movie, which is, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> which is also the best X-Men movie. It is. It is really. Well, it's like I love how X, the first X-Men and Logan like perfectly mirror each other. You can yeah. tell Mangold really did his homework. It's it's kind of like Halloween. You don't have to watch any of them in between. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just watch the first one and the last one. Yeah. Paid attention Because there's a lot of crap in the middle that doesn't work. Yeah, and then, yeah, you you can get out of this pretty quick. I just don't want Indy to die. Seriously, please don't kill him. I just, just if he retires, yeah. if he's like again off into the sunset with Marion or whatever, I'll take that. I don't I, need all I my heroes say, dying. But, <laughs> no, but off into the sunset with Marion is how Crystal Skull ended. They're not going to do that again. Well, I don't, uh, we'll see. Because uh, I don't know. It, it just that would be very. And, and that would also contradict the um, young Indiana Jones Chronicles, where we know that uh, Indy will go on to work in a museum as an old man, and you know. Yeah, but I don't, and I don't know if those are canon because they was didn't they they removed all the old Indy but the drawer, yeah, the, they put them on DVD when yes, Crystal Skull came out. They did, but so, they did, but they did pull in a lot of stuff from. Young Indiana Jones Chronicles into uh, Last Cru- uh, Temple of the Crystals, Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. Yeah, the young- way, there, yeah, there is a, a, a for folks who aren't aware, there is a ride at Disneyland Tokyo called uh, uh, Temple of the Crystal Skull. So, hmm. yeah, the, the, yeah, Young Indiana Jones is kind of like Clone Wars, the Clone Wars of Indy, where it's like, yeah, some stuff counts and some stuff's not going to count, and they push it you know, around, so it's, right. it it doesn't really add as direction as much as like we can pull these Easter eggs out. I'm just waiting for that trailer because I mean the, that the trailer that they showed at D23, you know, the the only way you can see it is someone took some shaky handheld video with a phone, oh, and they can, pulled that right down. Yeah, well, if you look around, you can still find it. It's out there, but it looks like crap. Yeah, I kind of want to wait until there's a 4K one on YouTube that I can put on my TV. I'm like, yeah, because I want to pour over it. I don't want to see I don't want to see a sketchy one. And then I see it clearer and I'm like, oh, OK, but I know what this is. But here's the detail. I, I have a feeling that there will be a trailer uh, by the holidays. Oh, yeah. Well, it's a summer movie. So mm-hmm. it's uh, um, and of course, Disney doesn't have any Star Wars movies ready to go. Yeah. So I think they're going to get behind this and certainly. Indy's just like the appendage of the Lucasfilm branch, 
Whereas, you know, they, everybody forgets about it. And once every 10 years, they dust it off and everybody goes, gets really excited about it. And then they just put it back on the shelf, but this is going to be it. And, and if they listen to Harrison Ford, as Harrison Ford has famously said in interviews, when I'm gone, he's gone. Cause there was, uh, just, there were just, rumors about Bradley Cooper or Chris Pratt right. taking over, but I, and, you, and I, you and I have had this conversation many times. I don't feel that Indiana Jones is a part you can recast. We've gotten to that part. I mean, I know we've gotten to that point. I know. Uh, that's how we are in American cinema right now. Uh, that once a one particular actor plays a character, they have to be it forever. Um, which is, I don't, I guess, you know, I agree. I'm not, I was never too keen on them recasting Indiana Jones, yet they keep recasting Batman. They've recasted James Bond. They've recasted Spider-Man. They've recasted all these other really iconic characters. Yeah, but, every, but the difference is every iconic character you just mentioned was taken from a medium not in film. All of those were taken from books. So so the first actor that played that part was still an adaptation of that part. Whereas Indiana Jones was created for this movie and Harrison Ford was cast as that character in this movie and other than young Indiana Jones and river Phoenix, we don't have a lot of other takes on it. It's not like, Hey, we'll go back to the original Indiana Jones books. There aren't any. Right. And, and then and the, the, mind you, the original intent of Indiana Jones was to be the American James Bond. Yeah. You know that they yeah. wanted the original it. intent was to make a lot more than yes. five and 40 years. Yeah. They wanted to make a series. And although I think Spielberg agreed to do three, and then got wrangled into a fourth, and now he then he said he was done, and then he was right, going to do this for a while. Yeah, but then a lot of things happened. COVID got in the way. Then he he was doing West Side Story. He just did Fablemans. He's working on yet another film right now. He's doing something, um, a Bullet um, a adaptation with uh, Bradley Cooper. So he's busy. And again, it's not like I, it had to be. Uh, James had to be Steven Spielberg. Uh, for a while there, I was going, why not let J.J. Abrams uh, do Indy 5? Because Abrams is a Spielberg clone. I mean, you watch J.J. Yeah. Abrams, it's he's aping Spielberg everywhere, left and right. Plus, he has that working relationship with Harrison Ford already. Well, and Abrams wa was able to do the, the one thing that proves your point, um, is that he was able to recast Captain Kirk and Mr. Spock, which, again, was those parts were created with those actors in that medium. I thought that could never be done. What I've learned about JJ Abrams is you don't give him a second movie. <laughs> I agree. I agree. He's really good at setting things up. And, and the one time he was given a chance to like finish a story is like, Ugh. all right. Well, yeah. He, he, they gave him a second chapter to do a star Trek and no, and oh no. And then they gave him a third chapter to do a star Wars and bigger. Oh no. No, no. It's like, I, I, I still like, Rise of Skywalker more than Last Jedi, but that's only because mm. it uh, I get Luke back. That's no. the only reason, you know. Luke's in well, oh, well, well, yeah, but Luke's Last Jedi is Luke. Yeah, any uh, I don't want to. Yeah, no, well, Rise of Skywalker, I I have no respect for Last Jedi. Last Jedi, I I I don't love it, but I I have respect for it because Ryan Johnson took some real big swings and he missed the ball a lot. But I was like. Man, that was a that was that took guts to do that, yeah. and uh, and uh, and then the next thing he does is Knives Out, which is perfect. So I'm like, all right, I'm not gonna denigrate this, but Rise of Skywalker. Yeah, but, uh, 
know. Oh, Knives Out is fun, at least. Knives Out is tight, too. Yeah, I wanted, I wanted, I wanted, uh, here's the honest, the goodness truth is every Star Wars sequel, the three, the the two, even the last one with J.J. Abrams, they're all depressing. Someone dies in every one. You get, it's like, don't get attached to any of the characters. We're all going to die. Everyone dies. Okay. And when you get to the end, you're like, oh, what a relief. It's finally over. You know? so. Every every trilogy is like that. Yeah. It's finally <laughs> over. It's it happened over. three times. It's finally over. <laughs> and now it's just a lot of TV shows that it will never be over. Yeah, but it's just fine, I guess. But that that's the thing about with they're talking about doing an indie series. Although I don't know how they're going to, you know, they they've been exploring it, and it's like if you're gonna do an indie series, I'm sorry, you have to have indie in it which would mean recasting for a younger indie. Unless it's an animated series. I, which I, would be I've great, been, yeah. I have been saying this since Clone Wars was on Cartoon Network. It's a, a, an episodic animated series is would be perfect for the franchise because then um, Harrison Ford, thanks to Mark Hamill, everyone can do a Harrison Ford. <laughs> <laughs> I just, yeah, I can do it. So you get- Yeah, you, I don't you, sound you, like that, kid. You get somebody that can do that. And honestly, you could do five different character designs of Indiana Jones and jump around the timeline yeah. and just throw you throw a year and a location out. And then whatever the, the tchotchke that he's got to get is and 20 minutes of that. It could be like Samurai Jack. It doesn't even need to have like character beats. It could just be like really well choreographed as adventure. Yeah. And because, an action. Yeah. Cause you just, if, if to your point, do a, a animated series, short episodes. There you go. Now you have another thing that you can market for merchandise. We're going to do the animation style Indiana Jones uh, figures. We'll do, yeah. you know, the t-shirts, the, you know, all the stuff. Because in all honesty, the reason Disney wants to keep Indy going is the IP generates merchandise. Mm-hmm. You know, and right but it, there. But it doesn't have legs. Yeah, but because because indie, yes, indie skews very adult. Yeah, um, and and the only the only really iconic thing is indie himself in terms of characters. Uh, they learned this uh, in two thousand eight. They they put out a pretty robust three and three quarter line of Indiana Jones, and uh, pretty much everybody from Diamond to Gentle Giant to Sideshow got a got a big swing at the indie license. They all did great with indie. And then the other characters did not sell. No, but if you do them again, animation style, mm-hmm. you know, like they're doing with all the the Star Wars stuff now. They had remember they did the um, uh, the, what was that? Those little shorts that they did the these Call of the Force or something like that. Um, oh, the the new ones that are on Disney Plus. No, but there were like those little shorts that you saw them on YouTube as well. You know, with all these little. Um, uh, 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 I'm trying to remember. It was a cute little bit, but and they they were trying to focus a lot also on the female characters. Like there was a Jin or so, yeah, okay. Like Jin, uh, Jin or so me- actually meets Ahsoka in one, and and they have all these things going on. But then they came out with a little adventure, you know, uh, adventure line animated style action figures based on the designs from those from those series. I'm like, see, there you go. That's funny too. If you go on to, not that I'm trying to shill for the Disney shop, but their toy box line 
Oh, those are fun. Those are really cool. Yeah. I mean, those are like, and they're not that expensive too. You know, I'm like, oh, I like the style. It's like halfway between like the play school and, you know, regular action figure type. Well, it reminds me of to, uh, going back to talk about how Nika's done every version of Ash. Uh, it reminds me of their Toonie Terrors line. Yes. Because yes. I, I have the Ash from that, but I was at Target when I was at Target yesterday getting the outfit as Batman. They had. They had Jason, they had Pinhead, they had Beetlejuice, they had the Werewolf and Griffin Dunn from American Werewolf in London, they had Pennywise, and all of them were really cool, very limited articulation, and then cheaper price point, but really cool animated designs. Yeah, and then boom, there you go, there's your next line of, and you can sell those, so, yeah, I mean, that's why they're doing it. Now, we'll see, again, it's a little soon to say you might be right to an extent that, you know, it, it could be Indy five and then we'll never see him again. <laughs> yeah. I, who knows? I mean, if time has taught us anything, it's that uh, you can sit on Indy for a long, long time. We are now, it's now, I believe as long between crystal skull and this fifth film as it was between last crusade and crystal skull. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the, the, the Crystal Skull too was a constant fight. Well, we all know why Crystal Skull took so long. Now. Right. It was right. It, Spielberg hated the MacGuffin. He just hated it. And 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 Harrison's like, okay, if Spielberg's not happy with the script. I'm not happy with the script. But Spielberg did not want to go counter to his friend George Lucas, and he, they had to keep you know adjusting and adjusting and adjusting. Until well, and there finally, were so many scripts and so yeah. many writers. Um, I remember reading the Frank Darabont script around the time Crystal Skull came out, and that was a much better script. It is okay. It, I, it was better than what we got. It was similar to what we got because I remember well, reading it and going, "Oh, oh, Indy's supposed to be swinging through the trees with the monkeys in the original version." Oh yeah, well you could see you could see they had the whiteboard of here's our all our set pieces. Yeah, but there was also a fight between two planes where they were like jumping yes. wing to wing. Yes, which would that have was been cool. Cool, and he also but, got drunk in his own museum and started smashing all the exhibits. Yeah, that one was, yeah, I would have been like, that would have been pushing things. <laughs> but, yeah. but yeah, but I remember going, okay, I get it. Uh, I can see why they changed it, but still. Um, I would just say, though, uh, without Spiel, without Lucas's real involvement in this one, I, I have a feeling we're going to see a markedly different type of Indiana Jones movie. It's going to feel like an old an Indiana Jones movie, but it's not going to have the Lucas DNA in it. No, or the Spielberg touch. He's a producer, but yes. He's, it's not yeah, I mean, um, and we, which I'm, I was disappointed until I found out it was mangled. I was like, all right, I love Logan. Uh, let him have it. But, the, but Spielberg has not lost that touch because I remember Tintin, which is now 10 years ago. When I saw Tintin, I was like, oh, my God, he can still make another Indiana Jones. Because the way he choreographs action, he himself says, you have to see, you know, the setup and the payoff within the action scenes. You know, and this leads to this and this leads to this. It's not just like explosions and running around and, and fighting. And Tintin had such an Indiana Jones style to it that I was like, oh, he needs to do one more and he's not going to. Well, then take, you know what you do? Have Spielberg produce the animated series and get that Weta studio, get that animation studio to do it. I mean, boom. It's not like Spielberg hasn't produced animated series. Yeah, and he's done some pretty good. I, and lately, like, uh, Prince of Egypt has been getting a lot of love on social media. And I'm like, 
people forget Spiel, that's his first direct i think that's his directorial directorial debut in animation you know? well that was when he was really a part of dreamworks well yeah. i've been watching the the hulu revival of the animaniacs which has led me to go back to animaniacs and pinky in the brain and those mm -hmm. were it was that there it's a golden era of animation television in the 90s because mm -hmm. everybody wanted to be the simpsons yeah so the yeah. writing was so good on everything Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So, you know, it, he and Warner Brothers had a really productive run for 10 years. You know, uh, Freakazoid was his idea, and it just kept getting morphed in development. Yeah, so he can do it. Let me just bring him on to say produced by Steven Spielberg. He can come, come up with all the little set. It's easier to do it in animation because you don't have to do a whole movie. As you said, do like a half-hour episode where it's essentially set pieces, stunts, and things that happen, and indie going from here to there. Do it in that CGI type, you know, take, you know, take yep. that style of um, not necessarily the Tintin style, but that engine. And boom. I mean, I could see them doing the Clone Wars style, which I've never been a fan of because I, think, uh, I feel like everybody's that. like a wood puppet. Yeah, which but, is intentional. That's intentional, though. That's yeah. what Lucas wanted for it. Um, it's, it's See, I always not not to go down this rabbit hole, but I always preferred the Jenny Tartakovsky Clone Wars shorts. Yeah. To the right. Dave Filoni full series, you know, and but, famously, I've never been able to finish any of those Star Wars series. Yeah, same. Uh, and then, uh, but yeah, but go in a different, yeah, go in a different direction. The Pixar has been really making, they've been really pushing the more human like, but it's, it's still, you know, um, but cartoony, uh, it's cartoony teeters and Hey, come up with a whole new, a whole new look for it. And then, yeah. Yeah, and, and to go cartoony, you'll avoid that on Kenny Valley, which throws everybody off. Right. Um, so this podcast was promised last week by Stephen Brown and myself to follow <laughs> up on our discussion of Wakanda Forever. Stephen could not make it this week. And Elliot, have you seen Wakanda Forever? It was cold this weekend. <laughs> <laughs> I had every design to go see it because we are supposed to be talking about it on the MCU review, too. This is your second podcast talking about Wakanda Forever without having I seen, it. seen it. Right. I, uh, so no, I'm, chances are I'm not going to see it in time. So I have not. Um, I yeah. will say I do have one thing to offer about the, the, the conversation surrounding Wakanda Forever, which is why did they have to digitally erase my boy Namor's bulge? Did they? Yes. Was not noticeable. Yeah, was put now. They put, if they have images out there of how you know uh, how he looked before, like in the stills, the, yeah. and then and then they show shots from the movie, and they're like, oh, they 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 took my boy's bulge out." Huh? So, I've been watching the opposite all week because I've been watching White Lotus and Sex Education uh, to to find out who Chudy got was, and uh, <laughs> there's prosthetic penises all over the place. Uh, <laughs> I don't think Chudy got one needs a prosthetic. <laughs> ah, well, I haven't seen him take his pants off yet. And it is Doctor Who. They yeah. also announced uh, the new Doctor Who companion. Yes. From, uh, I forgot the name of the show. Uh, they, they, they did it during the Children in Need uh, fundraiser. Yes, yes which actually uh, people noticed was a bigger announcement than Judy Gatwa's announcement. Uh, yeah, because I think, uh, I don't know. Because Judy Gatwa was a social network. It, they didn't do it on TV. Because it was going to get out somehow. It was you could only yeah. hold it for so long, 
And you could, it, it, chances were they weren't because of the production of the show. There was no way they were going to be able to hold it until the the children in need announcement. So yeah. it was like the David Tennant reveal. They, yeah. they, it was on the BBC first. And because we were not at Disney plus yet, you know, we're going to have to wait probably six months for HBO max to get it. Honestly, if they even get it at all, it might just be, it might just premiere on streaming when Disney plus gets it. But from what I saw, which is very, very little from just from the announcement. And there's a, a video of, of the two of them talking. I'm just sold. I'm so sold. She's 18. She's really young, probably a, just a little younger than Karen Gillan was. And Judy's like a little uh, around the age of Matt Smith. So it's not like they're going super, super young. But uh, like they already seem to have a chemistry and an energy that I think, uh, honestly, an energy doctor who's been missing for a long time. And they plan to be, I'm sure they they plan to have him for a bit. I mean, these days when you're rebooting, Judy's probably going to be around for a few seasons. I think the record right now is four four seasons. Baker did four seasons. If I remember. Yeah, ba- Baker was Baker did I think Baker did seven years, but I don't know how that breaks down in seasons. And obviously, many many more episodes because it was a half hour show. Yeah, yeah. And I think in the modern era, it's uh, well, it's certainly Tenant now that he's coming back. Mm-hmm. But Tenant did Tenant's the only one that did a fourth season of specials. Um, and both Capaldi, all the modern doctors have done three seasons, Yeah, but both Capaldi and Jodie Whittaker had years off. Yes. So, so I'm not, I'm no longer counting years. I'm counting seasons and episodes and Matt Smith did three and out. Like there was no break for Matt Smith. So I could see this. It's almost a tradition for a doctor to do three seasons, but with Disney plus involved. And they said the budget is supposed to be 10 million an episode which is about 10 times what they have now. And Dr. Who's still a really good looking show. So yeah. this is, it, it's going to be and, or, you know, WandaVision budget levels. Yeah. I mean, and it, you could tell that even during, well, during the, the Moffat era, they were pushing so much. I swear every time they, the doctor walked into some place, it looked, it looked like the star Wars cantina. Yeah. You, know, you can tell that they were really going for that look. So you'll finally have the budget to make it really work, have some decent CGI. Right. Well, yeah, because the Moffat well, the Moffat era was the first to go HD during Matt yep. Smith. So that right. that increased the pressure. And then of course it was a monster hit. It was at its it was at its peak popularity with Matt Smith, which I find interesting because uh now going back, Tenant's clearly the most beloved doctor of the modern era. But when Smith was the doctor, the most people were super into it internationally. Well, that's because, yeah, Matt Smith was the face. That, that, that's when they were really pushing Doctor Who in the U.S. too. Yeah. I remember, you know, and they even did that whole bit in the beginning where uh, the Amy Pond character has to do a little voiceover to explain the, the, yep. the concept. Yeah, it's a real reboot. Yeah. So you're like, uh, okay. Oh, it's because Americans are stupid and they, we need shit explained to us. So she has to say, you know, what the what the, the concept is for us to watch it, you know, because we can't, you know, figure stuff out for ourselves because we're dumb. Right. And, and to be <laughs> and to be fair, as Papa's Doctor Who was was at that point, it was Anglophiles watching it. It was on BBC America. So the the, the people it, I mean, the sci-fi nerds will search out anything, but really the people that knew about 
Doctor Who were the people that were watching Downton Abbey at that point. Yeah, and still, I mean, and, and now you watch it now. I mean, I know the the Chicago's Doctor Who convention, the one Doctor Who convention we have here, takes place in a hotel on Thanksgiving weekend. Yeah, yeah, TARDIS, know? which is coming up this week. Yeah, and and uh, they usually have companions from the eighties. Yeah, and, and there and that, that that convention, I've been there, I've done it. If they get they get some names out there. That's where mm-hmm. I met, you know, I met Peter Davison, Sylvester McCoy, Paul McGann, um, uh, uh, Alex Kingston. Yeah, you, you and I have both hosted panels at TARDIS yeah. several years. So it's a big convention, but again, it's no Wizard World. It's no, no you know, C2E2 for sure. And it's, you would think it being, if it, if it was a Star Trek convention, there's no way that ho- that hotel will be able to hold. No, the Star Trek, they had the Star Trek convention. They had the Star Trek Mission Chicago, Chicago. Mm-hmm. this year, and it was Javits Center. Uh, yeah. I'm sorry, I don't live in New York anymore. It was McCormick yeah. Place. <laughs> I heard about a lot with you. Yeah, Javits. I literally said the Javits Center in Chicago. Yeah. <laughs> Which man? I feel bad. They canceled. Um, was it Star Trek? It was supposed to be Star Trek Seattle. So Mission Seattle or which one was the yeah. next one? Oh. Or was it Ohio? I forget. I think it was Seattle because yeah. um, Bill Monroe, who's a great friend of the show, is a big Trekkie and lives in Seattle, and we were tentatively talking about going out there and going together. So uh, to hear it's canceled is really disappointing. Yeah, it's like ah, oh, because it, the the mission Chicago went over so well, and people were so happy with it. And then eh, I'm like, oh, that that yeah. sucks. But again, but the Doctor Who just not on that level yet. Maybe yeah, it will. At some I point, think but. maybe it will, especially with Disney Plus getting behind it. I think Disney Plus is going to do a great job of educating people to what it is, and it's a smart. I think it's a really smart strategy. You get David Tennant, Russell T Davies to come back. The, the ones that were really running it right. I don't think I don't think you would Stephen Moffat would want to come back. He did a longer run than Russell T. Davies. Um, and two, you know, two separate doctors. And then you get you get Tennant, the most popular uh modern doctor who's still vital, pretty much looks like he did. It's not like it's not like you're getting Tom Baker back, you know. It's not like you're getting an older actor to try to pretend he's younger. And you do it for a limited amount of time, and then once you you do that to get all the old fans back. That's like your Force Awakens. And then your Chudy Gat was like your Mandalorian. Yeah. So so you go, hey, old fans, remember everything you liked about Doctor Who? Here it is. Oh, you're all excited about Doctor Who? Now here's new Doctor Who. And then and, uh, Russell T. Davies said he wanted the gig. He's the one who approached the BBC about it. Yeah. So. Yeah. And, the, and the thing, yeah, the only problem I have with Russell T. Davies, I've been going back and watching David Tennant, and it's like, Production wise, a lot of those shows don't hold up. Like that CG yeah. is so dodgy, and because yeah. it's, God, it's almost twenty years old. And there were some times when the the dialogue just got a little too clever. It was very yeah. campy. I yeah. like I, I have to say, I preferred Moffat's writing style. Mm-hmm. I think Moffat burned out more than Russell D. Davis at the end. Oh, yeah. I, I I loved Peter Capaldi, but I was it was very clear that it wasn't Doctor Who at its height anymore. Yeah. And, uh, but, but Davey says that he's got a new take on it. So we'll see. We'll see how it yeah, goes. So we'll see. Although I'm wondering if there's going to be a Doctor Who uh, uh, land in Disney world now. Maybe, you know, like Maybe, have- I mean, it's taken them, but you know how long it takes, how, how long does it take them to build galaxy's edge? They're still putting their toe in the water with Marvel. Of course, Marvel's still in universal studios. So it's going to take a while to move it over. It's not like it's but not like 20, 
Just a ride. Like a, a TARDIS. Ride. Yeah. Everybody gets cool. their own TARDIS and you spin. Yeah. <laughs> Get rid of the teacups. Replace them with TARDISes. Yeah. <laughs> and then you just paint them blue. <laughs> That's it. And then you get out and you don't know where you are. You don't know when you are. <laughs> and then you got to run down a hallway. <laughs> run. <laughs> so uh, one of the other things, this is something that's been out for a while, but you posted about this and I got a chance to watch it uh, last night. As I've been saying all October, I'm watching a lot of horror. And uh, I really focused on kind of checking off the boxes I never checked out, checked off. But I realized... This year, I probably watched more new horror than I've ever seen, thanks to streaming. I haven't gone to anything, but I saw Halloween Ends as soon as it opened. I saw Barbarian as soon as it streamed. I saw um, Smile just today on Peacock. And you and I both saw Nope, which uh, Jordan Peele's new film, which I remember there was a lot of anticipation for. And then it was out and people were like, oh, it's good. I didn't hear a lot of discussion about it. So uh, I would you know what? I'm not even going to say mild spoilers. Here's where the spoiler warning is. If you haven't seen Nope yet, I, I think there's a lot to get into and I, I don't want to pull back on, well, you got to see it, but what did you, what did you I, think? I, I will say this, even if you found out what the, the concept was, okay. Cause the as, trailer gave away nothing. Gives away nothing until, uh, well, the first teaser trailer gave away nothing. Then later it hinted at something and then if you listen to them talk about it on, let's say, NPR, which I did, uh, they did give away the main conceit of the movie, which is essentially Jordan Peele is doing his own aliens, his own uh, Close Encounters type deal. Yeah, but there's all – it is his Close Encounters, but there's a hell of a lot of Jaws in it. Yes. and There's he, a I, lot of Jaws. Yes. And, and there's was, an Akira shot. Yes. I watched the making of Nope afterwards on on, a Pe- on Peacock. I'm like, yeah, he goes, it's kind of like. Oh, there's their making of? I, yes. I, I watched like Screen Crush's YouTube video about it. And mm-hmm. uh, so I'll have to go back. But he made that comment. He goes, it's, he was explaining the script to someone. He goes, it's kind of like, uh, it's kind of like Close Encounters meets Jaws. I'm going, dude, that's exactly what I was thinking when I was watching this movie. And uh, so, in, and even in that, it's, it's so clever because you're still guessing going wait okay i think i know what's going on but oh shit okay that's what no that's not what's going on this is what's happening and it's uh it's jordan peele again that's become his his signature because all three films are that yeah all three films are what the fuck is this then you find out what the fuck it is and you go you should get the fuck out of there because i know what the fuck this is Right. But That's then become his style. Yeah. And then there's more levels and levels and layers. And then things just keep, you know, re- getting revealed left, right, left, right. And then when you finally get to the end and you see how he cleverly sets everything up for the ending, you're like, God damn, that is smart. And I, it's an easy <laughs> shot to take, but it's almost like he fixed the M. Night Shyamalan formula. Because- <laughs> Yeah, it's true. And that Chamon was always a magic trick. And when you watch it the second time, you're like, I get it. Yeah. Whereas when you watch a Jordan Peele movie again, you go, Oh, okay. I'm seeing how it's layered. I'm seeing how the foreshadowing. There's mm-hmm. little Easter eggs to the plot. Yeah. Where it's like, okay, that hat meant something. And that, mm-hmm. you know, that look meant something. Everything okay. leaned into the reveal. And of course, with this film, you know, you you can't dismiss that. 
it really speaks to the African-American experience. And these are, you know, young, it's essentially, it's um, two young folks who have taken over uh, a horse ranch that specializes in, in providing horses for movies. Yeah. And there's and, a lot of satire of Hollywood within oh, yeah, as yeah. well as race relations. And it's done really well and it's really smart. And, and I know, again, I keep thinking about the making of, as Jordan Peele is talking about his own, there's a lot of his own personal experience in that movie. It says all the movies had a lot, have a lot of his own personal experience in them. And he's got, he's got a background in, in, in Hollywood, in, in sitcoms. That's another thing yeah. that they, that I did not see that coming. I did no, not see and, the whole and thing. I, and I will say uh, the scene in the middle about the sitcom, <laughs> maybe I won't give spoilers. Uh, it's it, it it's a trope I don't like to see ever. I find it very triggering. And, and when we were watching it last night, I I just got tighter and tighter <laughs> and tighter and tighter. And and my girlfriend said, "Are you okay?" And I said, "No, this is supposed to be scary, and it's scary." <laughs> <laughs> but it's like, oh, I know, and it, it's so well done. And it's like, well, you know, I don't want to. Again, not, I don't want to spoil anything. Yeah, I, I said massive spoilers, but now I feel like that it, that would be kind of mean to do. And yeah. it's on uh, Peacock now. So if um, you have uh, – a lot of people don't even know this. If you have Comcast uh, cable or internet, you get Peacock for free. So you can watch this for free as long as you're getting Comcast. And I, I pay With five bucks that, a month for it myself. So, oh, see, yeah. see here, the Comcast was the only option in my area. Yeah. So I was like, I was forced to get Comcast and they gave me Peacock. And for a while, Peacock was like, okay, I get it every Saturday Night Live. Yes. You no, know, and that's that's a coin point. But then they do something like MacGruber. So I'm glad I have it. Or or putting Nope on. And then there's a, then they also there's, got Halloween Ends. Halloween Ends. They've got um, uh, The Lost City, the, um, the uh, Channing Tatum uh, a Sandra Bullock movie, which is actually way better than you would expect. Is it? Because I haven't liked a damn thing I've seen Channing Tatum do. I, I enjoyed it, but it was because it was funky and fun, and it was it was one of those self-aware kind of movies. Like we yeah. know how dumb this can it's this this idea is, and we're having fun with it. Okay. Yeah. My problem with Channing Tatum, and, and this is yet to be resolved, Channing Tatum's face doesn't do anything. <laughs> Well, well, the guys like, made a lot of movies. It's funny because we were watching. I know you haven't seen Smile yet. I absolutely recommend it. Smile is on uh, Paramount Plus. Yeah. So if you're watching Star Trek, you get it. Uh, and it star the actress in Smile. We were saying the whole movie. Wow, she's really interesting. Her face is really expressive. You know, she's the opposite of Tanning Tatum. And it turns out uh, her name is Sorcy Bacon. She is Kevin Bacon and Kira Sedgwick's daughter. Yes, yes, yes. She's great yeah. in this but think, yeah. and and we were saying it's like oh this is why you cast her because she's the she has the perfect face for a horror movie you can see that the worry on her face so clearly and so em empathetically uh and it's one of the reasons um i i really like smile uh, smile and barbarian uh i recommend them howie weingarten who's our horror expert said smile barbarian and nope are the three movies you want to see and he's right and they all all three of them were not what I expected. Uh, you know, were, the trailer led me to believe something that was not that movie. 
It was they were all better than I thought. They all had a, a, something to say. Both Smile and Barbarian have that uh, social satire and that that message and meaning that Nope has. Yes. And it's like, wow, we're in a maybe it's because life is horrible, but we're in a really good age of horror right now. Well, it's because the horror writers now are understanding that with the medium, as it was like when we talk about when George Romero did Night of the Living Dead, a lot everyone thinks about zombies, they forget that the zombies were an allegory. That you know, they were they they were they were, were a stand-in for something else that we were scared as shit about. Yeah, and the the genius about Romero and I I love Romero's films is that they're an allegory for something different in every one of his movies. Yep, exactly. And when you hit on with each film, what is the allegory that you're trying to, um, um, you know, express? You know, what what is the theme? What is that thing that we have anxiety about in society right now? And you can figure out a way to match it with uh, something either supernatural or whatever that you know gets in under our skin and freaks us out uh then that's when you get a successful horror movie yeah and all, all three of those films have done that uh halloween ends gave us Corey. <laughs> so that, that's the difference God, that's just i talked about this on the last the last time we talked about halloween's i it just i got i was i was so I was like, okay, you spend all this time with Halloween kills, setting up Michael Myers. Okay, that's what's the payoff? Tell me what the payoff is here. And it's like, it's like, all right, at least J.J. Abrams considered what happened in the Last Jedi when he was doing the script for for Rise of Skywalker. People weren't happy about it, but at least J.J. Abrams acknowledged the movie that came before. The guys who did Halloween Ends are like, we don't care what happened on Halloween Kills. We're gonna. Forget. It was the same guys. Yeah, we're gonna ignore it. I know. Yeah, you know, like, they, they, they did all three. Was was it because they? I think it they was. forgot. It was Maybe at one point, Gordon one of them ran into a wall. And they got amnesia. They were working the same. Script. Same director for all three. The thing well, uh, I mentioned is on the podcast when we talked about it. Uh, if you had to keep those stories, the one way that would have made it work was flip two and three. Yes. Exactly. Because yes. two, two is about how he inspires individual people. And then three is about how the rest of the rest of the, the this community reacts to that. Mm -hmm. and, and instead you had the mob in part two, and then you had a brand new character to conclude your trilogy, which is just, it's just bad storytelling. Yeah. To like, like we're going to introduce a new character in act three and it's going to be all about that. And then, and and I don't mind spoiling this. And we kill that guy. Yeah, so we make it look like we're setting up the next thing, but no, we're going to kill him. Yeah, because it it's really going to end there. Yeah, <laughs> and, it, and it's one of those things. It's like the age old, uh, age old criticism of like art in cinema is like, oh, don't look at the franchises. Look at the look at the indie indie ones. Look at you know, look at Nope. Don't watch Halloween Ends. But uh, horror, I think the reason it's so good now is because it's embracing these individual voices and these messages and meanings that uh, you're not going to get in superhero movies anymore. And, and it's not about the franchise because it's like, Hey, let's bring Michael Myers back. And it's like, eh, it's fine. You know, it, they're not the juggernaut that like a Batman movie is. It's not, it's, it would, it horror is almost like yeah, the Batman movie's fine, and we have to have a Batman movie. But look at this superhero that this guy just invented in this movie. You know, it's it's almost the flipped of superhero movies because 
a lot of people are making superhero movies where they invent the superhero in the movie. Nobody really cares. Yeah. And it's, uh, it's ironic. You know, you talk about it. Uh, horror movies are the original indie films. I mean, for the most part, even the fran- the quote unquote franchises that we know today, Nightmare on Elm Street was an indie film. Yeah. Friday the, first, the 13th, Halloween. It, yeah. All of them. Yeah. I mean, they, they were all. And cheap. Yeah. And that the, the, it was why, because People like horror, they were cheap to produce. You can get them in theaters. Lots of people will come and see them. It's not going to cost you a lot to make them. Boom, boom, boom. It's the only genre where you don't need names. Yes. Because so, comedies are also cheap, but you have to have a name people know to get to get them to go get you to go see a comedy. Because it's got to be really, really funny. Yeah, but if it's really, really funny, it's a cult film. Because you know what? Uh, what we do in the shadows was genius. But Taika hadn't made Thor yet, so nobody saw it. Well, I'm thinking about Arthur. Arthur, remember Arthur? How yeah, many people? Dudley Moore many, was known, but not not like oh my god, it's a Dudley Moore movie. We need to go see it. It was when Arthur first came out, because it was so. That's the movie that made him. Yeah, that, that made him here. But I would argue, and this is really going down a comedy rabbit hole. His work with Peter Cook is what made him in England. That's what they were known for, and that's. That's the really great Dudley Moore stuff. No, if you want, if you want to see like, if you want to see him do brill, the brilliant comedy, it's when he was working with Peter Cook. No. Well, I did not. Oh, you got to see. There is a sketch. Well, it, it, also the two of them played so well together because Dudley Moore was like short and round and likable, and Peter Cook was so goddamn mean. Peter Cook was what John Cleese aspired to be, <laughs> tall and and mean. There is a. One of the best sketches I've ever seen uh, w- was where Dudley Moore is auditioning to play the part of Tarzan, but he has one leg. And Peter Cook is trying to break it, break it to him gently. And he's like, he goes, now, nah, he goes, now nah, there's nothing wrong with your left leg. <laughs> when, when your left leg came in, I said, what a great leg for the role. I have nothing against your left leg. The problem is neither have you. <laughs> and the, the writing on that stuff is yeah. so sharp. You can find that stuff on YouTube if you, if you uh, do a search Dudley Moore and Peter Cook. Uh, it's all like old black and white stuff, uh, you know, like beyond the fringe type stuff. But man, it's gonna pay off so well. But yeah, but um, yeah, but comedy you still you still kind of have to have wrap it around a personality. Horror you can have that. Horror, you can have a franchise people recognize, but you can also just have a premise that's interesting. Now, now, now I'm thinking about the, the you're, you're, you have a good point. I think about remember the sex comedies of the 80s. Oh, yeah. Now that was different too. It's like, you know, as long as you had sex, that's yeah. like as long, as, as long as you had tits. <laughs> yeah. Because those movies weren't good. Yeah. I mean, those you some can, are funny. And, you know, it it was one of those where everybody got the wrong lessons because they were all trying to be Animal House. But Animal House wasn't about the sex. Animal House was about Animal House was about the satire of college life. And they were and Porky's was just like, uh, in order to take it back to horror, uh, Porky's is to Animal House what Friday the 13th is to Halloween. Yeah. Because the first Friday the 13th is like, oh, we get it. You just stab a bunch of teenagers. You gotta admit though, that scene with Kim Cattrall in the locker room with the gym teacher was pretty fucking funny. Yeah, and you know what? And you know what? The fact that you said Kim Cattrall, you pointed to the person that had the the best career. 
Right. Well, but no one knew her then. I mean, that was, no, but know. then she made mannequin. <laughs> anyway. And you know what? When I was 14 and I saw a movie about a mannequin that you could own that turned into a hot girl, and I saw weird science about how you could connect a telephone modem and make a hot girl, <laughs> I was in for the ride. There you go. Yeah. Oh, man, you're right. Yeah, there was, was a lot of, in the 80s. There was a lot of like nerd nerd makes hot girl. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And those movies did not cost a lot. <laughs> no, no, they did not. But uh, but you know, a lot of them had good people behind the camera. Like I said, Animal House came out of National Lampoon. People like Doug Kenny and Harold Ramis. And then uh, uh, the vacation movies also came from Harold Ramis. But uh, you you had people behind the camera and writing these things that went on to be just as big. So but, I would say uh, back to Nope before yeah. we too too. Yeah, track, and yeah. you know what? I'll I'll segue it for you. Jordan Peele, Keen Peele, the most consistent sketch comedy show you will ever see. Yes. No and, bad yeah. sketches. Yes. Um, and that's the only thing that that makes me sad about his career as a hard director. I've loved all his films. I want to see more, but uh, he's pretty much said he's retired from acting. And it's like, okay, that means no more Keen Peele. And Keegan's everywhere. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And he's great, but it's like those two together. They were, they were, they made magic all the time. I, I would like to see though. I would like to see uh, Jordan do something other than a horror movie now. You know, I think he was pushing it with no, because there's obviously there's sci-fi and there's, there's just, he's bringing in, he's bringing in other genres into this horror movie. So I could see him start to, to stretch. I know when he made get out, he was very, very concerned that people wouldn't think it was a comedy, which is why he didn't act in it. Yeah. No, I don't know how you would. Yeah. yeah because people just... would go, oh, okay, it's a horror comedy because guy from Keen Peel's in it. Yeah. No, it was, it was. And the more and more I think about, again, get out for one of the smartest scripts. Oh, yeah. I think it's got the sharpest story because I think that's the thing. As his movies get bigger, I think they get a little more vague. They're still really good, but uh, get out made its point so clearly. Mm-hmm. And hit you over the head with it, and took an hour to do it. And then us was very confusing until the end, and then he pulls it all together. That and one I have yet to see. I've been waiting for it to go, show up on one of my streaming platforms. Oh, it's really good. It. Yeah, Nupita yeah, Longo is in that. Yeah, and uh, and then this one's a, like a little broader. It's like there's still things I don't I don't know. There's still things that are left open. You know, like uh, there's still things, and we'll, we'll avoid spoilers, but. After we saw it, there's still things about the alien where um, my girlfriend was like, well, why did the alien do this? And why did the alien do this? And I was like, I don't know. <laughs> it's like, I, you know, I don't have any answers. I know why. I know why the monkey sitcoms in there. I know how it relates to the theme as much as I did not want to see that. Yeah. Oh, man, that that is a heartbreaking scene. It is That's, really it's heartbreaking. It's, oh, it's horrible. It's the most horrifying. And it's so well done. And again, I'm an animal lover too. You know, the way how I feel. So when I was like, I know how this is going to end, it's not going to end well. And, but uh, it is just done so well. I was like, Oh, and I, and I will say most of it is off screen. Most of it is in the edit. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'm I'm still, neither of us is saying what happens, but it is the scariest moment in the movie. Not a lot of it's on screen, but just the idea of it. As I said, it plays with your, it plays with your, yeah, it's like it's very clever, and uh, if you watch the making of, which of, I will, yeah, yeah, and you will see that they do, they stage everything, like 
what actually happens. Um, so the way it's mm. shot is brilliant because if I, if this is me as a director, I, or, or no, yeah, me as a director, because I'm not, a, I wouldn't be a great director. I would be very, okay, let's shoot this from here, show that, show that, show that, because I'm setting up all this and I'm getting this guy here to do the performance captures the monkey. So I know we're going to be paying for this. So we might as well show this, show that. And then you see what they, how they stage it and what it, what it was all, how it was set up. And then when you watch the actual movie, you go, holy crap, they, they went completely the opposite of what I was expecting. And yeah. it was way more effective that way, you know? Yeah. I mean, everybody's saying this, but it's amazing how quickly he rose to become a great director because it's not like he directed a lot of key and peel. Yeah. You know, um, the guy, uh, I think it's, uh, I'm getting his name wrong. I think it's like Peter Attercroft, but the guy who directed the series directed Keanu, which did not do well, but it's a good movie. Oh, Keanu is so much fun. Yeah, it really is. Will Forte's yeah. amazing in it. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, it's, it's, if you passed it up because nobody really talks about it, go watch that. It's a fun, um, little, you know what? fun little movie. I feel like we jumped around a lot. I think, I think this week has been a lot of greatest thing in the world this week. So I don't think we need to, to do that. But, uh, Elliot, how do we find you? As always, you can find me across all social media platforms by under my name, Elliot Serrano, with two L's, two T's, and two R's. I'm on um, Facebook, Instagram, uh, uh, YouTube. I now have a YouTube handle, the same as my name. Uh, but you can also find me and John and our other co-hosts at m at facebook.com slash mcu review that's mcu r-e-v-u where we talk about the different mcu films and yes our uh youtube page now is a uh, youtube.com at mcu review i want to say 3217 there's a, just do a search on that and you can see it but if you find that uh, the youtube page you will find every episode of the mcu review starting with um incredible hulk because i hadn't set up the youtube page yet uh for iron man if you want to watch our iron man show you got to go to the facebook page and see that on the video archive but we've been going through all the movies um in order uh we're going to be finishing up with wakanda forever in 2022 we're going to take a little break going into the new year for everyone can re, you know, recoup from the holidays. Uh, we will do a, spe a holiday special when we talk about the Guardians holiday special. Uh, and then we'll come back in 2023, get jumping into uh, the Infinity, Infinity War and Endgame and all that stuff. And I think uh, we pr we're probably going to be do uh, talking about some of the Marvel television series on Disney Plus. Yeah, there are too important to leave out. So uh, as you're listening to this, if you're listening to this on the day it comes out on November 21st, we will be doing uh, Black Panther live. And uh, so if you want to see a room of mostly white guys talk about Wakanda, <laughs> <laughs> we tried to get a guest. We, we, yeah. we did try. Yeah, we did try. Uh, so. <laughs> but we did. I was like, oh man, we're not going to do a token black person, are we? No, let's not do that. <laughs> yeah, so we're not. I don't think we have a guest. <laughs> this is going to be uh, the regular panel. But we're going to uh, have a drink, though. We do have a, a, a new cocktail. Well, you'll have a drink. <laughs> oh, goodness. I have so many. I have your drink sitting in the fridge right now. I kept meaning to say, hey, can I come by and drop them off? See, I just assume your drinks are sitting in your stomach. <laughs> <laughs> 
but if you want to follow me, I'm at not on my book on Instagram. I'm watching Twitter go down in flames. So, uh, yeah, the orange, the orange, the orange Mussolini, mango Mussolini is got reinstated. So that's, it's going to be back to being a trash fire. Well, it was never out of being a trash fire, but the, the twitchy awkward billionaire has been, uh, really kicking. I, I, I think this is a lesson is don't buy something because you hate it. Oh, unless you just want to, you know, tank it and destroy it. then fine. Yeah. But 44 billion is a lot to do that. Eh, you know, I can't take it with you. No, you can't take it <laughs> <laughs> down. Uh, but you can find me on Instagram where uh, you'll see a lot of pictures of toys and guitars. And uh, I, I managed to get a lot of, a lot of good Marvel legends lately. So I'm happy about that. Those will be up. And then the Facebook page is facebook.com slash caffeinated comics. That's probably the most active. I feel like as I get older and Twitter goes down in flames, I'm just going to, a lot of people are trying Mastodon. I'm going to wait until that gets established. Cause you know, for everything that every internet thing that succeeds, uh, six of them disappear. Um, yeah, total the- tangent, but we found, um, we found the Sphero Spider-Man. That was like the little robot Spider-Man that talked to you and played games. Oh, okay. Uh, I got it for my boys five years ago for Christmas. We charged him up. He worked perfectly. And then I said, hey, there's a lot you can do with the app. And I went to the app and uh, the app didn't load. And then I looked it up and Sphero said, yeah, we we canceled our license with Disney. We're not doing that app anymore. So this poor little Spider-Man, he can only do a couple of things because that's what the internet is. So I'm I'm going to wait out a new social network. But until that happens, I'm just going to retreat to Facebook like an old person. <laughs> and I'll tell you, read the Facebook right now is is the place to be where you can, you know, and they're least, laying people off. Yeah, so uh, you know, it, it, at some point we're actually going to have to all see each other face to face. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm, <laughs> I, I'm interviewing for jobs that are hybrid schedule. I mean, I'm like, I mean, you, I have to come in sometimes. So. And I and, and part of me is like now, <laughs> especially in a Chicago winter. <laughs> yeah, God no. Well, uh, but follow our Facebook page, and of course, if you are not already subscribed to this podcast, you can subscribe anywhere. You can subscribe to podcasts, uh, Elliot. As you like to say, you like to ask Alexa to play caffeinated comments, and and uh, when you do that, Alexa sounds like me. <laughs> so. <laughs> Uh, But either way, we will see you on the MCU Review, and we will talk to you on audio next week.